0: Hey hey, CA here with just a little Lotto Thought, mini-episodes tied to important events or dates. And it's early October, and we have about three weeks to go before what will hopefully be the grand finale of the worst season of The Apprentice that we've ever been forced to watch. And while Joe Biden's nomination might be a disappointment for some, it's still worth noting the historic nature of the 2020 presidential race. Six women, the most ever, in the Democratic Party ran for the Oval Office. That includes Senators Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand, Representative Tulsi Gabbard, author Marianne Williamson, and last but not least, Senator Kamala Harris of California, who, as we all know, back in August, was added to Biden's ticket as his vice presidential running mate. Kamala's nomination represents a trifecta. She's the first black woman and the first South Asian American woman to be awarded such an opportunity. And even though some progressive voters might have trouble supporting her centrist policies, Kamala's identity is undeniably important when confronting the ways the U.S. continues to racialize and divide Black and Asian Americans.
1: There is a longer fixed genealogy of Black people's relationship to white people in the United States.
0: This is Natasha Sharma associate professor of African-American and Asian-American studies at Northwestern University.
1: Asians have long been erased, we're irrelevant to the discourse, and Latinos and indigenous people are generally left out when we speak of race relations in the United States.
0: Broadly speaking, many Americans tend to consider anti-blackness to be the primary function of racist systems. But that perspective, as Natasha points out, often invisibilizes how racism actively oppresses all racial groups in different ways.
1: Kamala Harris is a dual minority biracial.
0: Both her parents were immigrants. Her dad was from Jamaica and her mom was Tamil from India.
1: She might have European ancestry like many, many people.
0: Many of us Black descendants of slavery have a European colonial ancestor due to the atrocities of slavery. White men often raped the women they held captive under enslavement. I cover this and a lot more of ancestry and kinship in episode two. If you haven't already, go check it out.
1: But she doesn't have a white parent.
0: Unlike the only non-white U.S. president ever to serve. Maybe you've heard of him. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as they blazed a trail towards freedom through the darkest of nights. Yes, we can. Yes, we can.
1: Obama was sort of the oppressor and the oppressed in one body, right? A white and a black. A very common mix across the US, completely different from Kamala Harris. And I'm finding that some Black women are talking about Kamala Harris's Blackness, whether or not they debate it. And then Asian American commenters are talking about her Indianness or her immigrant background. But people are not discussing both at the same time. On the other hand, I think that um, in the United States, because of the predominance of the Black white binary and the one drop rule, Kamala Harris probably experiences life as a Black woman. Right. Uh, Even if she was raised by her Indian mom.
0: What if we look at this from outside the boundaries of the United States?
2: The place I I descend from, the Caribbean.
0: This is Kenesha Prasad, assistant professor of English at the University of Chicago.
2: Has a kind of vocabulary around race and politics that can accommodate both Black and South Asian ancestry in a way that the U.S doesn't seem to know what to do with, especially when the issue of immigration meets those those two ancestries.
0: In the English-speaking Caribbean, national discourses really embrace this idea of multiraciality, what's called Creole nationalism.
2: For Jamaica, it's out of many one people. For Trinidad and Tobago, it's where every creed and race find an equal place. And even though these slogans really highlight the diversity of the peoples who call these places home, it can also often obscure the ways that power operates through race and through the memory of this kind of violence.
0: Asian indentureship was a new labor regime that started after Caribbean slavery was abolished in 1834.
2: Indian arrival began in the 1840s and continued until 1917. They were a replacement labor force for the sugar industry, which was in decline in the mid-19th century.
0: A very similar process that happened roughly 30 years later in a post-emancipation United States. Chinese and Japanese wage laborers replaced the black population who were often barred from paid work and economic mobility, despite becoming emancipated free citizens of the union.
2: In order to kind of compel this new labor force, British colonial officials, authorities planted these opposing values between people of African and Indian descent. The idea that enslaved Africans having been in the colonies and been Christianized were civilized through this kind of proximity to godliness, whereas indentured Indians who observed a variety of faiths were thought of as heathen. Another one was the idea that enslaved Africans and their descendants were lazy. Whereas the new arrivals were industrious and ready to kind of take up the mantle of hard work to save the British West Indian colonies from bankruptcy, really.
0: In back of the US, that division, which we can think through what scholar Claire Jean Kim terms racial triangulation, was further exacerbated by the anti-Asian legislation that barred people from literally half the world, the Asiatic Zone, as it was called, from becoming US citizens, while also naturalizing black folks as second-class citizens. Now, the way that the U.S. government subdivided Asian populations was not homogenous, but by and large, all Asian immigrants were in some way and at different times barred from citizenship or limited to extreme quotas from as far back as 1790 all the way to 1965. Talking about all this, it reminds me of my black grandpa and Filipina grandma, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that your family and ancestry plays a role in how you think about these dynamics in your academic life. Mm -hmm. So. If you have any stories uh, personal to you um, that articulate how Asian Americans and Black folks create kinship, I'd love to hear that.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm at the beginning stages of working on a project with a cousin of mine.
0: Suzanne Parsard, a Ph.D. candidate at Emory University.
2: One of our common ancestors, her grandfather, my great-grandfather, was an Indo-Jamaican. He lived in a neighborhood that was called Hindutown in the early 20th century.
0: Part of Kingston, Jamaica.
2: And in the 1920s, he traveled to New Orleans to work for a time in his late 20s maybe it dovetailed more with early Afro-Caribbean labor migrations to the United States for agriculture, or maybe he was there to help with military work. But the thing that's really interesting and that my cousin will be following in a research project is the fact that when he arrived on this ship alongside you know a number of other passengers who were also Indo-Jamaican upon their arrival in New Orleans, they were recorded as Negro.
0: Indian migrants were racially classified according to their skin tone. Now, they could all be from the same region, but they would be labeled as black, brown, or even white, depending on who processed their entry. All of these workers, however, were almost always racialized as foreigners, and of course, barred from U.S. citizenship.
2: It was a story that even surprised me, right? It it kind of pushed on my sense of how these issues of Blackness in the United States, the legacies of slavery in the United States, affected a person of South Asian descent in my own family, whose life I really thought was just circumscribed by Jamaica. And so what Sue is trying to figure out, and I'm really excited to witness, is what it means for somebody of of Indian descent to take on an identity of Blackness once in the United States and be subjected to, in various ways, the power of the Jim Crow South.
0: I would really love to hear how that story plays out. But until then, what can we learn from a public figure like Kamala Harris? I
2: mean, speaking personally, intellectually, politically. Choosing Blackness is a joy, but um, there are a lot of reasons that multiracial Black public figures are not able to inhabit their non-Black ancestries in the same way. Some of that has to do with history, whether there's a vocabulary available to really think about the complexities of an identity like Kamala Harris. For lack of better words, people get in where they, they fit in, in addition to choosing Blackness out of joy. Obama prepped the
1: nation through a very classic white, non-white binary, and he definitely was barraged with questions about his Blackness, his Americanness. Kamala Harris, at least we're at, we're at step two now, where the nation can really talk about or at least recognize that there are multiracial people who, who are not white.
0: And of course, this story is evolving even as I speak. Not sure if you caught last night's debate, but...
1: uh... And the reality of this is that we are talking about an election in 27 days where last week the president of the United States took a debate stage in front of 70 million Americans and refused to condemn white supremacists. This is who we have as the president of the United States, and America, you deserve better.
0: I think that it's about time that us folks who physically built this country had a large and equitable role in how it continues to develop. And while Kamala's politics are not beyond critique, one important thing that we can learn from her is that the histories of racialized groups are far more commingled than we seem to care to remember. So put on your mask, go vote early, or vote by mail, and then, keep pushing once Joe and Kamala are in the house. My name's C.A. Davis, and this was just a little Lotto Thought. The music in this little lot of Thought was provided generously by Micaiah McCraven. Thank you, Micaiah. Appreciate it very much. If you don't know him, check him out. You will not be disappointed. That's all for me today, folks. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to y'all again soon.